Hey there, fabulous educators. You're listening to the Letters in Inkabong podcast with me, Lucy Gonzalez. This is a podcast for teachers where I dish out equal parts inspiration and encouragement as we dive into all things English instruction, teacher tech, and digital pedagogy. I'm so excited you're here. Let's transform classroom instruction for the digital age together. Hey, hey, fabulous educators. Welcome back to the Letters and in Ink blog podcast. Thank you for joining me on this latest episode. Today, I wanted to talk about five lessons that I learned from a year of pandemic teaching. Huh. It has been one heck of a year, and I'm so glad it's almost over. At the time of this recording, I have three days left. It is um, June 18th, and school gets out on June 23rd. Oh, it has been the longest, the longest year. And I'm so glad it's over, but in a lot of ways, I'm also so, so glad that this year happened because I think that we aren't talking about this enough. The pandemic did not create problems in education. There have been problems in education since it became, you know, industrialized, essentially since it became an institution. And I think that what the pandemic did was that it finally forced us to stop ignoring the problems that we have in education. Equity to me being the biggest one, but also like grades. And I'm not even really going to touch on grades in this episode, maybe just a little bit, but I've been working on something big that I can't wait to share with you guys where I just... I have a lot of things to say about grading. So (laughs) also forgive me my my silly, precious, adorable kitten. She's not a kitten. Is pawing her little paws underneath my closet door as I'm recording. (laughs) So I'm trying to play with her and also pay attention to what I'm doing. Oh, life with a cat. Am I right? So (laughs) through this school year, you know, there's a lot of things that I personally as a teacher I've realized, but I think that we as a country have also realized. Um, You know, I I just think about how before it, in the before times, it would have been, I mean, it took almost an act of God to like get my kids on a computer for more than once a quarter. And um, I guess it kind of (laughs) did. Jeez. Wow. it we finally got them one-to-one access to technology, but it was like, it was almost just like, oh no, of course we don't have money for that. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened and bam, one-to-one technology. That's a priority for kids now. Same thing with equitable Wi-Fi, you know, getting kids hotspots and things like that. And I think that the, the, it, the systems were there. The possibility was there. It was just a matter of priorities. And the fact is that education does not make 
equity a priority as much as we want to say it does, you know, and it's it's just been such an eye-opener, I think, for us this year as we really have to face that fact. So I discovered a lot of things. I figured out how I could cut my curriculum by a third and still meet the necessary standards and have students mastering content and skills. I have also been able to refocus myself towards mastery and help my students want to achieve mastery versus just completing assignments and playing that points game. I have had to reimagine my entire teaching philosophy. And while there are definitely some things I will be very thankful to leave this school year, like teaching to a black sea of squares, uh, (laughs) there's also a lot that I'm going to take with me. And not just all the tech and the digital teaching stuff that I've grown to love, but the practices that have revolutionized my teaching paradigm. Like everything about my teaching practice has changed this year. The first is that learning management systems are absolutely essential. We use Google Classroom. I love Google Classroom. And I used it before the pandemic just to sort of like post worksheets or whatever so that if kids, you know, lost their worksheet, they could still get the work or whatever. But this year, obviously, it was so much more than that. Um, I never want to give this thing up. So I plan on utilizing it next year as a way to first and foremost process summative assessments. I love the fact that when it is saved in the learning management system, I can see what students are typing. I can see how far they've gotten. I can provide formative feedback whenever I want. The kid doesn't have to be at school. I don't have to have time in you know, the class period to carve out to meet with every single one of my students physically. Like I can do it all right there and make comments and check boxes on rubrics and show students, okay, you're doing really well at this. Next, let's focus on this piece. I love that. I love the feedback and how it makes that feedback loop so much more accessible and practical for my classroom. It just, that lag time that you have with paper assignments is completely gone. You know, a quick check of a few boxes in the rubric, it'll show students exactly what they need to do. And I've always been big on letting students redo work and turn it back in for more points or for more, you know, higher grade or whatever. But this was the first time that I was actually able to really make use of that strategy with enough time for students to do things and turn them back in before the like the end of the quarter. You know, I couldn't sit back on a pile of grading for a week because or I I, I don't know, I guess it was kind of a mentality thing too, right? When you're not taking home <laughs> a stack of papers as thick as a dictionary, you know, or two. It's just, it makes, it makes the summatives seem a lot more manageable. But beyond summatives, I, I just love, and, you know, rubrics and all that, beyond those things, I just absolutely love that I can post videos of content and instruction. I can upload, 
you know, checklists and cheat sheets and word lists and links to more materials, playlists on YouTube, like all of that can be linked right in that learning management system. And it actually like saves me a lot of time having to teach students one-on-one if they've been absent or whatever, if they need to go back and relearn something, they can do that without me personally. And so it just gives me more real estate to provide more specific one-on-one feedback to students, which I just, I never want to not have that in the future. The second thing that goes along with the learning management system is self-paced learning and flexible deadlines. At the beginning of the year, I really tried to maintain the status quo. It's like, we're just going to do business as usual, but online. And we taught, we started with hybrid teaching. So we had a, a group of remote students, but then we also had students who were in person two days a week on Monday, Tuesday, and then students who were in person two days a week, Thursday, Friday. And that group, like I was teaching them all at the same time. So you had a group that was online all the time, some that were online part of the time, and then some that were in your class. It was really chaos. And I very quickly realized that the status quo was just not going to work. You know, when students are digital, they just, they needed more processing time. And so no matter what pace I tried to follow, it just wasn't working. Everyone was falling behind, even the most, you know, typically academically strong students were falling behind and getting frustrated and giving up. So I decided instead of giving students daily tasks, I chunked assignments into week-long, you know, sort of mini projects that were more discovery-based and self-paced so that students could work on projects at their own pace. I sort of blurred the lines between each day's work so that I could support students who were behind. They wouldn't feel like they were as behind because instead of like, oh my gosh, I have three assignments to do. It's like, oh, I'm, we're all, you're still working on this? Cool. You know, it, it just sort of eased the minds of students who maybe didn't have the best attendance or who missed school for whatever reason or who were just taking longer to understand and complete the material. Students felt less overwhelmed when they were encouraged to work at their own pace, and I loved that if they were absent or if they were struggling, they could go back and watch video videos of my direct instruction versus me giving the same directions like 16 times. <laughs> I really liked that this created a space in my classroom where students felt okay being challenged by material because it wasn't as frustrating to be behind because they they weren't really behind. You know, we were still working on the same project. I did have to overcome a few hurdles within my own teaching ideology. I had to let go of some of the control that I had over my room and my students. I had to let them prioritize their own tasks and schedule their own time rather than, okay, guys, we're working on step one today, everybody at the same time. And 
what that meant too was that sometimes kids weren't even working on English in my class. And I had to be okay with that. You know, if they were super ahead um, of the game, if they had already finished the assignment, then of course they were going to want to work on, say, a social studies project or their math homework. Or they were going to log off early if they were remote. Or if they were, you know, they had a really quick deadline coming up in one of their other classes, then I had to let them make that choice to prioritize their other class over my class. And I had to be okay with that. And that was a very hard thing for me (laughs) to break. The next thing is that I had to minimize the time I spent in front of the class giving directions. I, um, pre-pandemic, worked at a school, I mean, the school I'm working at, had a lot of challenging behaviors. And if teachers let go of control of the room, then students were off task. Students were causing mayhem. (laughs) And you spent more of your time managing behaviors than you did actually teaching. And I had to learn to let that go. What I realized is with self-paced learning, I had more students on task and willing to do the work. And that was just, it seemed so backwards to me because I, in my head, think, well, they're teenagers. They don't know how to prioritize their time, but they like to prioritize their own time. And when they feel empowered that, oh, my teacher trusts me to get things done, they more often than not would figure it out and get things done. It wasn't always on my timeline, but you know what? That's okay. That's the point. So I would limit my direct instruction to 10 minutes max. It was on video. It was saved online. So students go back and watch it as many times as they want. So let's see. Number three. I realized and finally was able to achieve grading that was based on mastery rather than just point collection. So related to self-paced learning and all of this stuff I've been talking about, I realized that some of the grading routines that I learned as a brand new teacher and experienced as a student myself, they're just not equitable. Traditional point systems and policies like late work, they are meant for that factory model of you come to work, you clock in, you do your time, you clock out. But there are so many jobs and, you know, just career paths that they don't, they just don't work like that. And so they, and the other thing is that they really don't serve most of my students. They serve the kids who eat three meals a day at home, who speak English at home, who have parents encouraging them to get on the bus, who, you know, students who have tutors who can help them with their homework, kids who are independent readers. You know, that is just not most of my students through no fault of their own. And I needed to create a grading system that really reflected that. So the first thing I did was give up taking off late points. I was always a stickler for late points. I felt like if anything, students should learn to be accountable for deadlines. But hybrid learning and pandemic teaching in general just showed me that it didn't make sense. 
you know, I personally have missed deadlines. And does my principal dock me a few dollars out of my paycheck? No, they don't. They're like, well, Lucy, what happened? You know, like, when can you get it into me? Right. And so I had to reframe my own thinking and realize that what I've been taught is the real world is actually not the real world. (laughs) And even my, you know, most academically proficient students who are themselves, you know, really sticklers for be turning things in on time, like they were having trouble making deadlines. And I was just, I got to a point where I was like, this is crazy. Like nobody is going to earn full points for this assignment because no one has turned it in on time. And once I started letting go of late points, I realized that, well, I was kind of freaking out. I was like, is this going to make more work for me. You know, I might have students turning in a project from three weeks ago and students turning in something that isn't even due yet. You know, like, is that going to stress me out? But it actually really worked out in my favor because I wasn't as burnt out from grading 30 of the same assignment over and over again, or actually like 80 (laughs) for the same assignment over and over again. And so it became more interesting to me, and I wanted to see what students were were writing. Uh, and instead of kids turning in something sloppy or incomplete or copied just because they knew they had to get something in, I was able to grade based on students conquering the skills they needed to conquer, students demonstrating to me that they understand the content rather than I can play the game of school. And using, you know, a rubric for every single assignment helps students understand the expectations and made it just super clear. No gray areas. There was no guessing games. So they could go back and redo an assignment to meet mastery of the skills being taught rather than just turning it in and, you know, collecting those points. I am planning, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I am planning on diving way deeper into equitable grading on my blog this summer as I transition to full-on standards-based grading. And I know that people in general, not just teachers, but people on this planet have a lot of strong opinions about the subject. And I'll be honest, you know, like I've said, I've had them as well. But uh, I can't wait to dive into that more with you. But I'm excited to be able to grade my students on their ability in English and in writing than on, you know, how much support they have at home or how good they are at turning things in on time. The fourth lesson that pandemic teaching has taught me is that we really can do more with less. The very first thing that my administrators told me in August was that we could cut our curriculum by a quarter. I was really thankful because they, we have a scripted curriculum and it's very much, you know, do this lesson this day, then do this lesson the next day, and it all leads up to this thing. But they gave us the freedom to choose which parts of the curriculum were essential for a survival kind of year. And I felt like, though, you know, as I'm cutting things out, like, I just had all these questions. 
Are the students going to learn enough? Is this going to give them the skills they need? Will it still be (laughs) rigorous? Uh, How can students possibly master the content when so much is taken out? But what I realized is that we can do everything that we need to with the standards and the skills we're teaching without dumping a ton of work on students. This includes homework for sure, but also includes classwork. Having to take my curriculum and look at it with a critical eye and pare it down to just the essentials has empowered me, not crippled me. And I have trained myself this year to be able to use smaller amounts of work to demonstrate mastery and fewer, you know, fewer things to teach more concepts and skills. I think we've all been able to see that, especially at this year, more work doesn't always mean higher quality of instruction. A lot of the things that I assigned pre-pandemic were things that, in all honesty, they just weren't not totally necessary for students to accomplish the skill or meet the standard. There were like a lot of things too that I did with students because my English teacher did them with me or things that I just wanted to nerd out about with a text, but that didn't really fit the standard or the culminating task that I was trying to work towards. Certain things like reading quizzes, they just became obsolete and totally unnecessary. With longer texts too, like Hamlet, I realized I was focusing on so many things that I loved that just really were muddying the purpose of the play. So next year, instead of just adding everything back in because we're in a quote-unquote normal year, I'm going to really be very purposeful about every lesson and every task that I give to students. So instead of adding in more work, I want to make more room for organic learning, for true retention of concepts, for dialogue and creativity, and mastery of prioritized standards. And I just, I'm super pumped that this is something that finally got through my thick skull. It took a pandemic, but I made it happen. And the final thing that I learned from a year of pandemic teaching is that I really need to incorporate social emotional learning all year long. I have always been that teacher who You know, I do the usual getting to know you type activities, but then I'm diving into content as soon as possible. I figured like I'm, I teach high school. Kids don't, kids in high school don't need social emotional learning. They already have their friends, you know, whatever. But this year showed me that relationship building is really the most important tool that we have. And even though in my head, I know that relationships have to come first, I didn't really show that in practice. I teach a tough, tough group of kids who don't inherently trust and respect the adults in their life. You know, they have a history of trauma and a lot of that is caused by the adult humans that they are around. And so you have to earn their respect. And it's not until you earn their respect that they're going to do any kind of learning from you. So showing students that I cared about them as humans and not just little writing machines was paramount to my success this year. 
checking in with students, offering opportunities for breaks, incorporating time to let kids be silly. It really gets that buy-in that even the most engaging lesson that you spend hours putting together is not going to do. So, you know, hopefully the world is starting to return back to a quote-unquote normal place and hopefully we will have some kind of normal return to school next year. But there is one thing that should never return to business as usual and that to me is education. The pandemic presented teachers with the opportunity to break away from the factory model of instruction that has been the norm for far too long. Me personally, I've been pushed so far out of my comfort zone during this school year and As tragic as the pandemic has been for our country and the world, I really hope that in education we continue to push forward into this new world with new possibilities for instruction and education and not move back into these archaic methods that are simply inequitable. I want to know from you guys, what are the aspects of pandemic teaching that you'll be holding on to? You can reach out to me on Insta. You can send me an email. I, or you can actually comment on the show notes that I have for this blog um, or for this podcast on lettersandinkblog.com. I also would highly recommend Jennifer Gonzalez of the Cult of Pedagogy. No, we are not related. We just have the same last name. She just wrote an amazing blog post on a similar topic, and I've linked that in my show notes as well. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. All right, everyone. I want to know, what is your main takeaway from this episode? Share this podcast on your Instagram stories and tag at letters underscore and ink, or hit me up in my DMs. And don't forget to check out the blog post for this episode on lettersandinkblog.com. And finally, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. I want to leave you all with one final thought. If there's anything that we have learned from the pandemic, it's that our notions of what education is are inequitable and ineffective for the needs of modern students. It's time to rethink and reimagine everything that we know about education. Together, we can transform classroom instruction for the digital age. Thanks for listening and you see you guys next time.